Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors like Today and Moms Around the World. Hi, everyone. Okay, before we get started, will you please subscribe on iTunes? If you have an Apple phone, you can just go to Apple Podcasts and then search Atomic Moms and then press subscribe. It's free. Uh, You can get all of our episodes there as well. Please leave a written review and share the podcast with some friends. Or if you're in like a Facebook mom group, leave the link. That's my holiday wish. (laughs) Thank you so much. Today, we're going to Broadway. Actually, for the next two weeks, we're going to Broadway because next week I am sharing an interview with Casey Levy, who is the Broadway star of Frozen. She plays Elsa. So definitely subscribe so you get that next week. And this week, yeah, we have a comedic genius on, Mike Birbiglia. He's a comedian, storyteller, director, actor, pizza enthusiast, and New York Times bestselling author who is currently making his Broadway debut in his solo show, the new one. Mike, thank you for coming on Atomic Moms. <laughs> thank you very much, Ellie. So my friends should never, ever name drop in front of me because here you are. Your dear <laughs> old friend, Ed, who you shared earlier before we were recording, that you guys yeah. met your first day of college. He and his wife, my best friend, Whitney, they took care of Sabrina, who was four years old, when My daughter Eliza was born. Like, they were the ones I called. and Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. They were my first line of defense. So, moms out there, you need the friends without kids because they're the only ones (laughs) that are going to really help you in your time of need. And I'm curious, Mike, do you have, like, friends without kids that you have to lean on like I do with Ed and Wit? (laughs) We don't have that as much. We have... um... Jen's grandparents or Jen's parents, Una's grandparents are are phenomenal and they're mm. very doting and and great with Una. And uh so we have that. And they live they live in this they live in this in New York City nearby. So so that we've been very lucky for that. I don't think we have <laughs> I make the joke in the show is like I go, I you know, I've lost a lot of great friends to kids. Yes. Um, but but it really is true. Like I I mean I'm 40. I I think I'm like the I'm pretty much the last of the of the group to not have kids. I mean, I have a few comedian friends who don't have kids, but those people are not reliable. <laughs> <laughs> Comedians are not reliable. I'm surprised to hear you say that Ed is even reliable. Although Ed is Ed is a bit of a superhero type of personality, so I could see him stepping up. <laughs> yes, he it, he literally is a superhero. Like, if there's crime on the corner, like, Ed's the first one there. It is shocking. Oh, um, I know. Well, literally, <laughs> literally. I mean, just for the listeners so they know, like, he, I, I, I think, perhaps saved someone's life yes. uh, in, like, some kind of street altercation. And then he ended up going to yeah, the hospital. In Hollywood. It was horrendous. Yeah. But so, yeah, there are true life superheroes. I'm so lucky that they're both in our life, mostly so that I can talk to you. <laughs> so, yes. And here we are. Here we are. Moms. 
I was fortunate enough to see long her. Time, long time listener, first time caller. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we're all buying that. I was fortunate enough to see your Broadway one-man show, the new one. It's at the Court Theater. And yes. it was so crazy. Mike, I was on a blind mom date for that one. I contacted a listener. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. So that, that, that's the thing. What is that? I had never met this mother, and she has been so supportive as a listener of the podcast that I reached out to her, and I was like, will you be my mom date to this? And she was like, yes. And it was a little awkward because we were laughing so hard. And she's very (laughs) pregnant, so I should have been more respectful of her personal space. Like, I was crying on her shoulder. I was laughing so hard. Like, I feel like you really brought us to, like, a new level. Like, we're fast friends now because we bonded over how— I don't want to say horrible parenting is, but just how hard it is. So thank it's you hard. for that. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. hard. I mean, that, that's the thing that the um, I'm trying to capture in the show, and it, which is like I try to say the things that I that I was secretly thinking through the pregnancy and through the first year of Una's life, um, but but felt like I couldn't say. And I feel like you 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 try to you're you're doing the same thing. It, it seems like. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, you know, people never used to be this honest about parenting. And like even hearing you stand on stage say some of the things you say feels shocking at times. Yeah, yeah. And it's shocking for me sometimes. Sometimes I'm saying (laughs) and I'm like, huh, am I saying this on stage to a thousand people? This is a very strange thing to do. Well, it must feel validating to get that standing ovation at the end. You're like, I won them over. Like I could say all these things and still they're with me it is although it's funny the whole thing's a double-edged sword because you know like you know that you can't go on the internet and find out what people what everyone thinks because then people are like he just wants applause for just being a dad (laughs) you know what i mean you're like no i don't i'm just making i'm just i have a lot of sort of jokes and candid thoughts in the story arc and uh I don't need, I don't, you know, I'm not begging for applause, but, 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 uh, yeah. The I internet's am. wild. <laughs> the internet's wild, man. Like it's, yeah. well, cause you know, we had reviews come out this weekend. They were really good and favorable and it helped, it helped the show and it helps us cause we're going to go 12 more weeks. We're going to go end of January. So Congratulations. like it's, um, you know, you, you sort of have, it's weird with Broadway, like, I don't know if you've been close to this, but like you sort of have to have the reviews be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like there's this moment last week where I was like, uh, I was in my wife, like, um, I think like uh, if the reviews are bad, maybe the show closes or whatever. But, um, but, but then they were good. But then, but then the internet is its own other thing. Like people, if you expose yourself, I don't know if you have this with this pod. If you expose yourself, you're really opening yourself up to criticism. From strangers, that is uh, so personal. So personal. I know. I've been really lucky that this show isn't that popular. No, I'm kidding. I just find <laughs> the, the lucky thing with a podcast and why I haven't done transcriptions, which I think I will, is that it has protected me some from any attacks that I might get. Because unlike a blog, if it's a podcast without a transcription, like you have to invest some time in listening oh, yeah, to it. Oh, yeah, they have to spend some time on it. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And I feel like the trolls are a little it's too true. lazy for that. Yes. But I've definitely gotten some, like, 
helpful suggestions via email that have like totally destroyed me. <laughs> I like the way you me. said helpful. <laughs> like the one that the like, way you said helpful was really was really delicate. Some <laughs> helpful suggestions. One was like, your guests are so interesting. Can you please share less so we can hear me. from them? <laughs> That one set me back a good few months. Oh, my God. But I'm wondering, okay, overall, though, like, people were not this honest about parenting before. Do you think it's because it's so much harder these days, like, with everyone's expectations and moms are getting scrutinized for every choice and most of us don't live near family like you guys luckily do um, and, like, we can't just lock our kids out of the house all day? Or do you think that the previous generations were just big, fat liars? Like, which is it? I think— I think both of those things can be true. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I think there, I mean, I look, I grew up in, in, in a Catholic household in Massachusetts. I, 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 I make this joke in one of my other albums. I was an altar boy as a kid. And the answer is no, I wasn't. <laughs> oh my God. And I think it's cause they I think it's cause I think it's cause they knew I was a talker. I have that look about me, but I, but it was, but it really was like a, it was a repressed uh, existence in a certain way. Like I, I in my first show, Sleepwalk with me, I talk about how my dad growing up would, you know, would say like, "Don't tell anyone about about oh, almost anything." You yes. know, it'd be late to soccer practice, and he'd be like, "Don't tell anyone." You know, and um, and 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 it, and so my, my whole comedy, you know, the four shows I've done off Broadway, and this one made on Broadway has been like, you know what? I'm going to tell people. I'm just going to I'm going to say how I feel about all these things and I'm going to and and I, and I, and I'm going to try to structure it in a way that's compelling and makes people and hopefully makes people laugh and then and then really hopefully makes people cry sometimes. It just so happens that this show is about a period in my life about uh, when I, you know, becoming a dad when I genuinely didn't want to be a dad. I mean, I I genuinely thought like like yeah, this isn't this doesn't feel right. And Jen thought it was a good idea, and I love Jen, and and I uh, and I just it was a real fork in the road, and I did it, and I'm so glad I did. When I wrote the show, I was like, oh, I got to make sure that I get in all of the true feelings that I felt at the time. Now that they're sort of all erased, you've probably talked about that on the show. It was like post pregnancy, you sort of forget how what the pregnancy was like and and I wanted to sort of have that you know what I mean mm-hmm. I wanted to be honest about the, the before yeah I think that's what's so refreshing is that it's so rare to hear that oh thanks like no one shares these things you met your wife Jen when you were 25 I was 23 when I met my husband Adam and you know at 23, I was like, of course I want kids. And then we're married and, you know, another year goes by, another year goes by. And he's like, I want kids. And I'm like, yeah, me too, someday. And then we're married for like many years and I'm kind of running out of excuses. And I, the only time, <laughs> the only time I ever tried stand up, it was all about not wanting kids. And then uh, I got a tumor. So then I got another year off yeah. from having. Oh, we kids. have a lot in common. We have I, a lot. Right? You and I have a lot in common. So yeah, because I hit, I hit, I hit, I hit that note in my show too. I know my first line of the scene. I mean, you do it so much better, but it was um, me saying I don't want to have kids. Like I don't want to have strangers in my house. And he's like, "Who the nanny?" And I'm like, "No, the baby." And <laughs> I really felt <laughs> that's great. Like, well, that's very kind of you. How um, do you not continue doing stand up? Oh, please. Because I have a parenting podcast. I'm very, very 
fulfilled, okay. Mike. Okay. That's a great joke. That's a great joke. <laughs> well, very, thank you. So I was, I, ugh, I did it for him. Okay. <laughs> like I made that leap for yeah. him. And there were, it is so difficult and it's very satisfying. Oh yeah. Beyond. But it's so difficult. That there are so many times when I've been like, oh my God, if this man hadn't been 100% on board, like, I don't know where we would be right now. Because if I had had a partner who was super resistant to having kids, it would be that much harder. And I know that there's a lot of moms out there listening who are like, yeah, my partner wasn't on board or this was a surprise or, you know, a lot of women are having to do most of it themselves. What did you do to sustain your marriage through that first year? Like, how did you sustain your marriage through that first year that is so difficult, especially since you weren't originally on board? Well, I would, you know, I would, I would, <laughs> this is, this is sort of where the show came from. I would write in my journal uh, a lot uh, because I, I never feel comfortable saying the things, the things I say in the show to people in my mm. life because I felt like I was betraying my wife. And, and that's, that's something I think a lot of people deal with. Like I have a lot of, I have a lot of dads who come up to me after the show, like, you know, friends or friends of friends who, who go like, like, bro, like I, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, and you can't say it to anybody, you know, and, and, <laughs> um, and so I, I wrote in my journal, which I, I know that seems like sort of a, a, a hackneyed th- a piece of advice, but I, I really stand by it. Like, I, I think oftentimes if you write in your journal, just what happens in your day and how, what you remember and how you felt, how it made you feel that by the end of writing in the journal, even if it's a couple paragraphs in a notebook, by the end of it, you sort of you do feel a certain level of perspective about the whole thing. And I find that usually I go, I get to the end of the journal and go, well, actually, I'm I'm being a little irrational about this. <laughs> um, you know, I really yeah, do. Like yeah. there, there's so many things that are in the show that I wrote down and I had like I was like, oh, this is crazy. It's driving me nuts. And then uh, like, how come we can't get a babysitter? This is insane. And then. At the end of it, I, you know, I would write it in a journal and I would think like, well, actually, Jen has this really profound connection with Una and she doesn't want to be away from the baby. She doesn't want Una to be with a stranger and all this, all this stuff that like if you I think sometimes if you put it on paper, it, it gives you perspective. Do you think that creating art out of your life also gives you perspective? Like, do you ever find yourself in a fight with Jen, but then also being the observer in the fight, like, oh, this will be good material, or is that just me? <laughs> wow, it's. I mean, I think <laughs> no, I think I think we all do that. Any writer, I think, does that to some extent. But I do with this. I I actually really didn't see it coming. Like I, mm. <laughs> I, I thought it would be sort of permanently private, and um, and even now, I'm like, I'm I'm not. I I do I do, the stuff I'm living now. Una's three and a half. Like I, I feel like I'm not going to put in a, a show or anything. But yeah, I think you know, I think art art can be a good outlet for for those feelings. And I think, um, well, the good thing is, I mean, a good thing for a lucky thing for me is Jen is a poet, and um, she was writing poetry about analogous points in our lives um, together, and. And so she had she was writing this book that became this little poetry book they sell in the lobby of the show uh, called Little Astronaut. And 
it's these beautiful poems. And the, the one in the show that, that people could read actually in the New York Times because it's in an article. I wrote this this article for the New York Times called Six Tips for Writing a Solo Play for Broadway. And I and I I, I quote this poem called An Infant Reaches. And it's uh here I'll I actually ha- I, I, I plan this. It's, I'm just I'm in my office and I'm like I I'm standing next to a stack of them. But um there's a there's a uh, this poem is uh called Infant Reaches. Um an infant reaches for something, I don't know what pushes it farther away and cries in frustration each time she reaches, not realizing she is crawling for the first time. She is just like her father. <laughs> and, and so like the process of the show would be, <laughs> I would be writing pieces of the show and I would say to Jen, like, Hey, do you remember any of the, uh, the, 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 the milestones, you know, cause I'm writing this mm-hmm. section about Una's milestones um, and she, she would hand, she handed me that poem. She was like, well, I wrote this about, about crawling. And I was like, can I just read this in the show? This seems better than me describing it by a long shot. And she was like, sure. And then she, she, she over time became like an accredited writer on the show. And it kills when you read it on stage. Yeah. It's yeah. Really people, funny. yeah, people like it. It's yeah. so amazing. Okay. And little astronaut, I'm guessing that the title is because of the uh, Merlin's magic sleep suit. Is that right? <laughs> it's the, that's really funny. No, it's not. It's, it's not. Uh, How could it not the, the, be? The, it the, must the poem be. I read, the poem I read, there's a poem that opens the book. It's short. It's one line. It's little astronaut. A newborn rests her head on the earth of mother. Everything else is outer space. And that's oh. that's where Little Astronaut yeah. came from. That's right. Well, that's more profound, but I prefer my version. Which is <laughs> but li- also the sleep suit was probably uh, subconsciously in the, in the mix. <laughs> well, because it, it gets a little moment in your show. So for the three listeners who don't know about Merlin's Magic Sleep Suit, it's this puffy suit that you stick your baby in to sleep at night. And then when they can roll over, you can't use it anymore and the sleep goes to hell again. But it really... I don't think it worked for Una because I read that she had a very difficult time sleeping that first year. It worked for it both. worked for like a it worked for like a it worked for like a day. Yeah, and then it stopped working. Well, yeah. I'm on Team Magic Merlin, but what <laughs> I really need to say, it was like one of the first things I ever talked about on the podcast. And when you lifted it up, I gasped. I was so excited to see it get its like moment of recognition on stage. <laughs> but people people go nuts. People go nuts for the sleep suit. It's they like really whatever do. Like works. It almost, like certain nights, it'll get an applause break. Just the actual <laughs> holding up of the sleep suit. <laughs> that's how desperate we all are, America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the line. I, that, that that's the line I say in the joke. We're so we're so desperate for a child to sleep. We will believe in magic. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. That is so good. It's so yeah. true. Um, <laughs> so the proceeds go to Every Mother Counts. Yes, for her poetry book. Yes. And when I was looking at her website, and then I got really excited. I'm always trying to figure out a way to mention the musical Hamilton in the podcast. <laughs> And she made it really easy for me today because she mentions that the Hamilton song Dear Theodosia was playing in her head when she was writing the poetry. Oh, my gosh. Wait, did she she tell – who did she say that to? I I know know that, but where – did she say it in the book? On her website. Oh, my God. That's – that's oh, that's great. Okay. So she says that she wrote the poetry because in the musical Hamilton, you know, it's this historically important epic masterpiece. She writes it like stops momentarily for this tender moment where, you know, Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr are both singing to their children. And some of my listeners are freaking out right now because I recorded 
our birth experience with my second daughter, Eliza, who's named Eliza after the show. Oh. I had Dear Theodosia playing on repeat. So when you're hearing oh my me, gosh, because like, during my unmedicated birth, like just little moments, or I don't want to totally freak everyone out. You can hear Dear Theodosia playing. And so you and Jen are clearly, you know, from the show, I know that you're very aware of like the political climate and the climate crisis. But then you like sneak attack our hearts with this tenderness. And I'm wondering if you can talk <laughs> a little bit about that, like the because you clearly both share that tenderness. And that's why we like start crying and we, we've been laughing so hard. And then all of a sudden we're like, <gasps> this is the meaning of life. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, I think, um, man, I, I think I, that's truth, truthfully, like I, that's why I go to the theater. I mean, I, you, you try to make, I, I think we're all, whenever you're an artist or a creator of any kind, you're, or or a baker or anything that where you're creating a thing for other people, you're trying to make a thing that you would want, right? Uh, and and I like to go to the theater and laugh and then cry. <laughs> That's all I want <laughs> um, because uh, because I, I I and I think Jen's the same way. I, I think I think we crave catharsis from the theater. I think we want to see ourselves in what what's on stage and. Um, and 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 it's it's important. I mean, you know, storytelling is important for us to contextualize our own lives and existence. And so I thought, basically, I've been working on this show for two years, and a lot of it would be, uh, you know, Ira Glass, who's the host of This American Life and is a producer on the show. Like he he would he would come to versions of the show, and he would he would say, you know, I feel like at this moment you could let this air out and you could express an emotion of how you felt at that moment and that that would go a long way. Like, a, and, and, and that was part of it. And then my director, Seth Barish, was part of it. He directed all four of my shows. And then Joe was a big part of it, my brother Joe. And then my wife, Jen, was a big part of it. And, uh, um, and so, the, yeah, that's, that's sort of how we arrived at it. And, uh, yeah, I feel like that's sort of a long-winded way of saying it. But, yeah, I just try to create what I, en- what I enjoy, what I love. You had mentioned earlier in your journaling that this, like, feeling of not wanting to betray your spouse, so you wanted to get it out on paper. And then when you're on stage, how do you know, like, what hits you hard and is exposing, but, like, in a good artistic way versus knowing if you're betraying yourself or your partner? Well, it was all vetted, and 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 Jen and I spent an extraordinary amount of time talking about um, what what we were comfortable sharing with the world and what we weren't. And so, you know, <laughs> there were I, Jen said this on the an interview the other day. And I, I wouldn't have said this otherwise, but but if she said it, I'll repeat it. Which I uh, which is that she told a story about how one night she had listened to a version I had done in Salt Lake City of the show and she listened to the audio and she had, I think she had felt like it was a particularly angry sort of performance of the material. And she woke me up at like four in the morning and was just like, if that's how you feel about 
this, then, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> like, it was terrible. Like, it was really, really bad. <laughs> and then I was like, that was, uh, that was sort of how I knew I'd gone too far in that one direction of, of expressing anger. And I sort of pulled it back to what's in the show currently, which is sort of a calibration of sort of like anger and laughter and, emotion and all of these all the spectrum of emotions versus just the frustration what did you do that next morning to win her back <laughs> i went to i drove to vegas i gambled away Uda's <laughs> college tuition and uh came back and i said i'm sorry for everything no i um <laughs> i uh no the next day i mean i i just talked to her about how like i you know these are the parts of the show currently that i'm uh, that I feel like I'm exaggerating in my life for humor, and these are the parts that I feel and are real, and you know, and and I and I want, you know, I want your guidance on it. I want your mm-hmm. perspective, and I want your point of view. And that, that's why, that's why I, I I think it's because I mean Jen, I think is a secret ingredient of the show in, the, in a certain sense. As I read three of her poems on stage, and 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 all of her lines that her character says when I quote her are really written by her. I mean, mm. they're they're uh, they're my versions of her saying a thing and then she edits that and then I edit that and then all but ultimately all, a lot of the things she says are are, are real. I mean, and I think like uh, you know, it's delicate. Here's why I think it's delicate. And I'm sure you deal with this with the podcast. Is like the way that people parent is very personal mm-hmm. and it's very specific and it's always different. And people choose to parent in 100,000 different ways and 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 I think one of the keys is not to judge the way other people parent uh lest thou <laughs> make it biblical <laughs> lest thou be lest thou parenting be judged itself uh but I do I you know I I, I think like that's the thing that's really hit home sometimes people will see the show they'll be like He's a bad dad, you know, and I'm like, easy, easy. I mean, it's a show. <laughs> it's a show. Like, everybody chill out. <laughs> like, I'm a, good, I'm a good dad. Like, Jen always says, like, whenever she sees people say that online or something, she'll be like, what's so funny is that, is that if Una, when Una get, grows up, like, she would be, she wouldn't even, if she saw the show, she wouldn't even believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, she wouldn't even, like, she wouldn't, she literally wouldn't grasp it. She would just think it's, it's fictional cartoonish jokes, <laughs> you know, uh, because I'm so doting and I'm so yes. present. I'm so around. I'm so around. What do people want? Because if you stood on stage and just talked about what a great dad you are and like how confident no, I know you that, are, that, like, that's what I always, that's what I always, that's what I always point out. Yeah. Ugh. That's what I always say. I'm like, I'm not going to go. It's 80 minutes of, 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 of the worst version, uh, you know, the sort of my lowest moments. It's not 80 minutes of like, and then we went on the swings, <laughs> and then we went and got her favorite yogurt. People would be like, "I'm getting the f- out of here!" Oh my god! Like it would be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to curse on your podcast, <laughs> but but like people would just be like, you could beep it. I don't know. No, but, uh, I feel like Mike. Just, that's like, your like Mormon mom blog. Like you could do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, look, I do that stuff. Too, but that's yeah. not a, that's not an interesting show. That's I'm not sorry. Broadway. It, it's not interesting. It's not an interesting show for me. 
Right. I'll say that. It wouldn't reach all the men, too. And that's what's so – like, if you didn't share these things, like, there are so many men in that audience. And it's so exciting for me to see something relating to parenting where it's a full house. You're getting a standing ovation, and it's at least half men or more, and everyone's yeah. relating to it. What did your parents say – because you said you were raised in, you know, a repressed environment when you say, <laughs> hey, guys, I'm going to go on Broadway and I'm doing, I mean, by now they're probably expecting it. But like, what's that like to say to your parents, I'm going to do 80 minutes of my low points for the world? Well, that, yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, my parents were great, great parents. It was just, I feel like a cultural thing, like in the sort of Massachusetts Catholic cultural which, you know, that, 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 that's a whole rabbit hole unto itself. I mean, there's, uh, there's many movies about that, and they're, they're great movies uh, about just how repressed that culture is. But, um, but no, I mean, when I first started being on stage was when I had to confront the thing that you're saying, which is, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, my dad, my whole life, my dad worked, I think this is a line from Sleepwalk With Me, where it's like, I work... He worked his whole life to send me to college so that I could learn stuff. And I didn't. And then I got a job making fun of him in front of strangers. So that whole thing backfired. <laughs> you got to listen to this. If you like this show, I'm telling you, you got to listen to Sleepwalk with me on Spotify. It's the audio of the show. I think you'll like it because if I'm gonna that's, that's a line from it. And I love the movie, but now I, yeah. I got to it'll give you to it. it'll give you the con, it'll give you the context of like some of those sleeping bag stuff and that kind of silliness. Oh my god. Well, the I you have a line in the film version of Sleepwalk with Me where the dad is driving him and what does he say? He says something <laughs> yeah. so horrendous about like real life or like you need some I forgot the line, but it was so Oh yeah, that shocking. and that's true by the way. <laughs> what you're describing is like my yeah, like my dad growing up would be like you know, I would be like, I'm going to be a comedian. And he'd be like, I want to be a comedian. And he would say, uh, you need some goddamn reality testing. <laughs> so yeah, my, reality my, testing. My, that was <laughs> So the late, great James Rebhorn passed away, paid my dad in the movie. He, he, he said that line, I thought, quite well. So well. It hit home for me, which but it's so funny because like right now we're my husband and I are writing this sitcom for ABC, the pilot episode together about our family. And it's a multicam sitcom. And my it's so crazy because I feel like my parents always, you know, as most good parents do, like want it, they want their child to be successful. And like, I'm finally getting paid to like do this thing. Oh, wow. Congrats. That feels really big. And it's such a double-edged sword because I'm like, you guys always wanted this for me. You always wanted me to get like a real job. Yeah. But my real job is going to like include you. I think <laughs> like, they can. Ha I think I they can handle. I, I mean, just speak, speaking from the a, a point of experience of having my parents really not want to be public people and, and exposing them. Um, I think that love. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who says this. I think this is from the Odyssey is uh, love, love conquers all. <laughs> I think I think your parents love you, and it'll it, I will conquer yeah, any feelings of feeling no. out. Yeah, yes, I agree. I think as long as it's successful, no one. Yeah, will that's mind. sure. I'll just have to make it to Broadway. <laughs> so okay, so Mike, in closing, you know, I mentioned earlier that you're cognizant of the fact that the world's falling apart. So 
how do you how much of that do you share with your child who obviously is so young still <laughs> but like how do you protect her innocence or how will you protect her innocence as she grows up in Brooklyn wow you know you're the only person that's asked me that cuz yeah the first half of the show is the seven reasons why no one should have a child and it's a very elaborate thing and the second half is how we had a child and how I was right and then the, ultimately it turns on itself and 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 in a way that's sort of emotional and, and yeah, it's, you know, that's a great question. I mean, we try to talk to her a lot about the environment and animals and, and kindness for people. And we try to, we try to think of holidays as being much more about sort of the, the kindness be, be, uh, behind the holiday, as opposed to the consumerism behind the holiday. And, um, those are just off the top of my head. I, you know, I think everybody's sort of trying to do their best. Nobody, I don't think anybody has the magic bullet for how to, how to raise a child in a, in a world that is so unusual as this one is. Well, I'm going to be giving away five copies of Little Astronaut to listeners in an Instagram giveaway. So keep an eye out for that. You can see the new one at the Court Theater until January 20th. So get your butts there. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much. And great to meet you. And I hope to meet you in person someday. So again, you can find tickets and more information at thenewone.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Keep a lookout for the giveaway we're doing. And yeah, definitely check in next week for our conversation with Casey Levy, who plays Elsa in Frozen on Broadway. All right, everybody, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. 